This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Computer, this is Data. I'm an android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Cranjus McBasketball. And today, Tim, we're here. I texted you. We have to hop on and talk about the team a little bit, give an update. Of course, if you haven't been paying attention, you know, I know it is the bad parts of the season. I'm sure you heard about LeBron James' high ankle sprain. We'll put him out about three to four weeks. Reports have said uh, this is all kind of lining up with we're just a few days out from Anthony Davis's reevaluation after two weeks. Uh, so we are unsure as to when AD is coming back, when LeBron's coming back. Big picture. Lakers played their first game since uh, without both of them against Phoenix. It did not go great, I think, is a fair way to paint that picture. Uh, <laughs> small, small things encouraged me, I must say, but it you know, it looks like a uh, a team or a boat without a sail or a rudder. Or I don't know something. Naval it's missing that, both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, that's pretty true. It's just like floating out there at the whims of the ocean, right? Yeah, I, I think we'll get a rudder back maybe in a week or two when AD comes back. But we're we're missing one or the other for it's going to be a substantial portion of portion of time. And so far, the Lakers have been without AD for quite a while by now, and have kind of stuck through it, hung hung in there tight, had a lot of good performances, had a lot of not so great performances, but having LeBron as that anchor for the team uh has really helped keep keep I guess rudder would have been a better term to use to to keep the team position moving in the right direction, keep that defense. L- lots of guys contributing to that, but that's been strong, but now the offense just takes a huge drop off. And with Gasol, so Gasol's clear the protocol but he's like not quite in shape to play just yet and LeBron out and Jones wasn't brought back so the team is very small at the moment as well so that isn't helpful on the defensive end of things so it's just not a great situation for the near future although it may not be all that long until AD comes back but for the next couple games it might get a little bit rough yeah, it was a weird, weird starting lineup. I don't know. Maybe I'll ask you, you know, what you'd like to see without both of our stars uh, in the starting five. But Keith, uh, Kuz, Wes Matthews, Schroeder, KCP. 
I don't know. That's not exactly what I would go with, but I understand your limited options here. Um, mm-hmm. Try and keep this one kind of quick today, Tim. We're not doing a ton of data, not doing a ton of X's O's, just kind of paint with some broad brushes because the trade deadline is coming up. Um, I also have to quickly get it out there. You know, rest in power to Lakers legend Elgin Baylor passed away recently, and he was just a guy decades ahead of his time. Watch his highlights. He's finishing those reverse, you know, layups like THT does. Elgin Baylor walked so THT, you know, Elgin Baylor crawled so THT could (laughs) can run and only take reverse right-handed layups. Um, And so I just wanted to put that out there. Great Laker. We were wearing his uh, blue Los Angeles jerseys in honor. I hope to see the, the blue 22 patch up there. Uh, honoring him and hopefully get him a chip in in those jerseys as well yeah unfortunate news one of several different components but i mean a guy hurting his ankle or or being covered team those things are all temporary it's basketball this is real life and it it stinks to lose a guy who did mean so much to a lot of people from a basketball standpoint and, and just in general and it brings you back to how basketball can, you know, lift your spirits and give you hope and uh, get people through a tough time. And, and especially in a COVID world these days, having these sports to tune into and then have some sort of normal normalcy, it all kind of circles around and, and brings it back around. But sad to see him go. He was someone that I've enjoyed from a, like a 2K sense playing with like <laughs> the, what is it? The all Lakers team, or mm-hmm. I forget exactly how they word it, but getting to see like, oh, like this, this is what he was good at. Not so good at, you know, watch some of those highlights. And as a younger fan, you know, didn't really get to see him in his heyday for sure. Getting to experience him through just the online repositories of, of, of clips and in the video games, I think it's been a cool way to enjoy someone's legacy like that. Elgin Baylor is like maybe the sixth best or most influential, important, whatever you want to call it, Laker and Lakers organization history. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for 14 other teams, he is the goat in their organization. I just like the riches the Lakers have had. I'm sorry. I don't mean to get on this detour. I just mean to say big picture today. Right. Trade deadline buyouts. Um, Damian Jones was not brought back. I'm sure you're very disappointed by that, Tim. Yeah. They listen to the podcast. They're like Tom won the debate in the final segment. Jones, you got to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Drummond is still uh, a Cleveland Cavalier, uh, but. It does look like reports, you know, people are, are spying on his IG, seeing stuff he's liking. He's following LeBron and Lakers stuff now. I don't know. It seems Do you think l- the Cavs want to let their dude go and then go help out LeBron and the Lakers, the, the team that has their former superstar? They're like, from an organizational standpoint, they're, they're not winning anything this year. I don't know if the move buying him out or not really helps them or hurts them in the, in the near future. He's if, not playing already. Like, what are, you, what are your the, thoughts there? So on one hand, you have giving LeBron a potential piece to help him win a championship. If you're um, whatever his name is, uh, fucking Gilbert, right? Yep. On the other hand, you save money. So oh, this is a man okay. who seems like <laughs> he's, you know, not going to, you know, lighten his pocketbook mm-hmm. just to spite someone else. Um, okay. He'll just write a strongly worded letter in a silly font yeah that's fair I, and things have moved slowly so far and it does appear as though drummond like he wants to be a laker it seems like the lakers are clearing that path for him and have interest and and we talked about it last time we'll get into it later on but uh, and another pod but we talked about some of the things he could bring to the team and how he could be valuable if brought in the door 
it'll come down to can Cleveland get anything for him before they cut him? Will anybody give them anything in a trade? And I think that's the scenario we see for a couple different guys who might be buyout guys that teams are trying to push for trades because there's so many teams that potentially could make the playoffs this year. Maybe not going to win at all, but if you're pushing for like if you're an 8, 9, 10, 11 seed, like these are a lot of teams that are close to or right at that uh, play-in territory. So there's a lot in play this year. Uh, home court advantage is, is potentially non-existent or maybe it does. It's it's different for everybody. So like I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some trades for guys that otherwise in other years might have been buyouts or we just see that kind of push towards the end until teams are like, fine, I can't get anything you know, and then we'll see a, a flurry of activity all at once. Well, matching the dollar figure on a contract like that, while not getting back a contract that extends too far forward and yeah. not getting someone too good, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the the math there, unless it's somebody like an Evan Fortier, you know what I mean, who's on an expiring and okay, but then He's they, good. you know, yeah. then Cleveland has no desire to take that last half year of Evan Fortier, you know, so mm-hmm. they could be a um, distribute or, you know, like a cog in facilitating a three team trade. But like, I think it might be inevitable now. I, you know, Blake went to Brooklyn. I think there was interest there. I don't know if they have another spot in a in a rotation for him. So we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's talk more about that in a sec. What what comes up right now is the nearest future is these games without both LeBron and AD. And I don't expect AD to be coming back playing 35 minutes a night, getting the normal allotment of touches that he once did, or, you know, being Mm -hmm. that heliocentric center, the way LeBron was. So it's not just going to, you know, be all fixed when AD comes back, but we saw a little bit of a preview in that Suns game. It's a lot of like step up screens, double screens, you know, where they try to just move the ball quickly to a guy on the perimeter and and they'll take Jack a shot pretty quick or they'll swing, swing, do it again. You know, it's the Lakers have maybe three guys who can get to the rim on their own mm-hmm. in Schroeder, THT and Trez. And yeah. that's it. And that's really and really, really hurting. Uh, and on top of they were shooting well to begin with. Right. LeBron was maybe their best shooter at the time. So. I don't know. How does this this meal change? Like I got you know, you got to make a meal out of sides now, Tim. Yeah, I think you do. And I guess thankfully, a lot of these pieces have been able to do maybe not high, high volume, but like some volume of creation of some sort. Schroeder, we know. THT, we know. Harrell, you can post him up or he can be a screen, screen and roll guy. Wes is somebody that as recently as a year or two ago, two years ago, I guess, in Dallas was their top off-screen guy. Um, KCP will do some stuff with him. I don't like as many of the actions that get... We saw Wes and KCP actually just start that last game, getting a lot of like staggered screens to turn the corner and try to drive. And I don't know if that's ideal for them. I'd try to get them, instead of coming off of two screens, come off of one screen so there's less space so that guy, the screener, can roll and you might have like a little pocket pass dump off for Trez or somebody. Um, make I don't know. It, it's about getting good good shots the only ways you can the best ways you can i don't know you got to try to keep everybody within themselves um and it's it's just a tough situation tom they 
<laughs> they're not built for really this. good answers. They're not. They're, they're this really is not. Just, this is not. This is a very unique situation. And like you said, with Gasol as well, because if Gasol's in there, like they just don't have size right now. You see, Kaycock Gasol's in not there. in there. They don't. Have yeah, size. that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like they have Kaycock in there. They have, you know, Tre- Trez is doing all he can, but. It, you know, they just don't have ri- any rim yep. protection or continuity with the lineups that are playing together right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think once Gasol does come back, that will be beneficial. And being able to run, even without a bunch of great shooters out there, having a guy that can have some kind of gravity at the top of the key facilitating or from the high post or mid post with dudes cutting and screening, try to get Schroeder, try to get THT, try to get Keith. I don't know, get these guys the ball attacking downhill already with a advantage, some little bit of an advantage, and then they can try to finish at the rim, draw some fouls. Um, th- that would be an approach. I think you have to go a lot more through Schroeder now, a lot more through Harrell now. Harrell, on the year, when he's posting up, he's been really good uh, attacking 1v1. It's when that extra help comes that he struggled. So the Lakers uh, stepping up when it comes to countering that post help. Again, we've hit on this a number of podcasts. If they're not doing that with him, they're in trouble in terms of him being able to self-create his own offense. And without LeBron out there, I would imagine his like dump off and roll man volume will go down a bit. Um, So it's, we're going to see a lot of guys doing similar things as before, some stepping up in new areas um, and just all, I think down a little bit from an efficiency standpoint, because they're not getting as good of looks due to the attention that a LeBron can get you either by generating an advantage and getting a good shot, or you pass the ball to him and he's able to, I don't know, draw two defenders. Like, I don't know. I, (laughs) I'm baffled, Tom, this isn't going to be good, but I was uh, perusing, trying to figure out how long AD and LeBron might be out. I did find one site. I forget the name of it off the circle back on that that said they their math projected ad would be out seven more games um if so over that seven game span we place um i'm sorry we face new orleans cleveland orlando and sacramento as four of the seven games and there's some maybe winnable ones in there like it's not a murderer's row over the next half dozen games um Longer than that, we we start to play some better teams, and there's some good teams coming up as well. But among that seven, if you can take three of those, if you can go three and four, I think that would be a huge win. I think we have to reset expectations, take a look at the standings, think about the playoffs and home court advantage and all that stuff, and try to just get there healthy, win enough. Um, you don't want to have LeBron coming back with like 10 games left in the year, having to ramp up while also fighting to like stay out of a play in spot or something like that. So you just have to stay with enough of a buffer to to be ahead of of that danger area, I'd say. I mean, I think if it less as how many winnable games are on the schedule and more as how many losable games are on the schedule. And as of right now, every game's a losable game. So it it could be three and four, but you're not that far away from one and six or and I'm not going to say oh and seven because mm-hmm. I do think, you know, Cleveland, Orlando, those teams do quite struggle. And if they still have Montrez, they still have Schroeder, THT, Kuzma, we haven't mentioned too much, but these guys have moments. They have, I thought uh, at times played OK defense in the Phoenix game, but Generally, that second unit defense was pretty awful, um, even though the offense got a little bit better. 
I don't know, man. Like, how do you, is this the situation where you're like, Trez, we're going to like play through you. I guess you're going to be our second unit guy. But then like the only way they know how to play right now is heliocentric. And they moved it around, you know, in this game. But is it almost better if Schroeder and Trez kind of become that new sun and moon in orbit instead of honestly just letting KCP and West Matt Alex Caruso had a post touch and he made a nice read out of it. I'm just saying, like, how far yeah. does it go where you're just doing these random things that you know what I mean? I think it depends on how long you think Anthony Davis is going to be out. If he, if he truly is only out another five to seven games, I wouldn't change things up to, I wouldn't put guys outside of their normal scope. I'm not going to take Schroeder who's good at what he's asked to do and Trez who's good at what he's asked to do and turn them into like deep, deep discount LeBron and AD and having them doing anything that they're not capable of doing. That said, they do a lot of similar actions. It might just be increased volume and figuring out the right lineup combinations will be important. So you don't have groups where it's just like, man, who's going to score right here? How, how are we going to score? What is the identity of this group? So to a certain point, I do think shooter ball screens or Trez post-ups are going to be some stable actions that this team goes to um, shooter AI cuts uh, we, we've seen that a lot recently, S- some where it's just that, some where there's some other stuff going on that's really helped um, with some weak side action, helping him turn the corner, uh, get open shots for others. More of those actions that the team has already installed. Like we've seen Kuz used in off-screen situations. Maybe LeBron and AD both weren't out in those games, but sometimes with one or the other out, we've seen him used as an off-screen shooter. Um, same thing with THT uh, in in terms of getting him downhill. We saw the Lakers try out a couple concepts, getting that little short roll on an empty side, getting him attacking downhill or using him in ball screens. There are ways to f- find the right skill sets among the guys you already have that are like their good pitch. Maybe they don't have five pitches. LeBron has five pitches. AD has five pitches, four pitches. Um, these guys only have one or two pitches and instead of having them try to learn new things or do things they're not capable of, you just have to try to win at the margins tactically or set them up to be able to throw those same pitches over and over again in a way that might succeed. And when you get down to that, I think that might rely a little bit more on the tactical side of things because I think defenses will adjust, um, but I think that's where you start and you just try to fill out your menu of options within a game because right now you're, you're crossing out a lot of different set plays or actions that the team would normally go to just because the guys you'd be putting in those situations aren't probably going to perform the way or, or get the right type of attention from defenses in order, to, in order to manipulate the defense or create an advantage that LeBron or AD might have had. Mm. And once the... Once AD comes back, these lineups will still suffer from some of the same issues. You know, they'll have mm-hmm. a great ISO post score uh, finisher, you know, offensive rebounder putback machine starting. And obviously on the defensive end, he'll be able to, you know, save plays, like make an impact, just contesting shots, getting in passing lanes, all that good stuff. But on offense, you're still going to run into a lot of the same issues of, um, double teams reacting to those. Uh, it's going to be even harder to keep the advantage. So he'll double team pass out. He has to make the right read. If he does make the right read, 
and the other team is ready for it. They have to reset, kind of start over. You get like shorter into the counters, if that yep. makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So he's going to it's going to be very nice to have a 25, 20 point game scorer on high volume and not force these guys to to, like you said, do a little bit more of what they maybe are good at. But Trez is good in the dump off, partly because of LeBron. Right. Yep. So he can't just do that more when LeBron's not in the game. So he mm-hmm. has to become more post centric. And that's what I mean. Like there are possessions when Anthony Davis is in the game, right? Where he will get three straight post ISO touches. And we see that occasionally from Trez, but I just think that might be, you know, you drop, come down, you got an Alex Caruso, like Wes Matthews lineup or something, not a ton of creation, come down, drop it into Trez at the high post, you know, run around him, like let him hit you, try and hit you back door. He can do some of that stuff, but it's just got to be set up for him. You know, it's not like yeah. read and react perfectly every time. And that's where I think you can do little things to set that sort of stuff up. I, I don't think Trez is going to go down and post up his man 25 times a game if he can if the, if the lakers can get him mismatches and then just you know spam that action like find that one really good thing and go to it that can be really helpful and i don't really think that's cross screens although i'm sure they'll do some of that and we've seen them use that in the past i think getting him uh you know get him the ball on the perimeter use him with the handoff gravity he can have for a Schroeder or for a, a Wesser KCP you can't just sit underneath those handoffs so that requires defensive attention um so y- you have to be able like get him on the perimeter have him you know swing the ball from the top of the key to the wing and then have one of your guards set a back screen for him to cut from the top of the key down to the post uh get him the ball in the block hopefully the defense is you know, switches that action. If not, maybe that UCLA cut gets you an easy bucket. Um, but try to get early off early switches as often as you can get him the ball down low, let him go to work, know that extra help is probably going to come. And then you just have to be ready to counter it. Um, if you can simplify the game in that sense, let guys do what they're good at doing and just have the right counters available. I think that's one way to try to keep <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The, the bucket's pulling the water out of the boat. Um, 
But I think that's what it's going to come down to. I don't think it's get more complicated, add a bunch of stuff for guys that aren't used to it. I think it's like, you know, if it's shooter ball screens or it's Trez posting up, add a little zhuzh around those actions that allow you to do it on higher volume or with increased efficiency. Now that it's more your top tier thing and not like a secondary action, you know, let's give it the the extra effort of trying to get a mismatch. Um, that That would be a place to start, I think. All right, let's take a quick break, and on the other side, we'll come back and talk about trade buyout. Uh, What does it mean for the team? How do they change their outlook going forward? Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. All right, back from break. Tim, this is interesting because no matter, regardless of the injuries, this trade deadline buyout season is actually really important for the Lakers for a number of reasons. I'm going to set up a number of things for you here, and I just want you to dive right into what interests you more, okay? So Zach Lowe recently on the pod, who was with uh, Dave McMiniman, I believe, talking about the Lakers and trades. And I think Windhorst mentioned that KCP is being, you know, it's not a secret. He's being shopped. It's kind of weird to me. It's not that I don't believe it. Um, it just a little weird. Okay. Put that aside. Fake trade from Zach Lowe, KCP and the Lakers 2027 first round pick top 10 protected for Evan Fortier. I love it. I actually really it? like that. No, okay. dude, I, I have we talked about Fournier before? I don't think we've talked about him a ton, but um All right. Well the first thing the listeners should do is open up Google. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um don't Google Fournier. I uh, <laughs> hang on, let me pull up his player profile. Dude, Fournier Fournier's he's interesting. He is very good offensively. He's not good defensively. Right. And I will have to see what the data looks like right now. But I remember last year he was thrown into like really high matchup difficulty for whatever reason. And I remember seeing that and being like, man, this guy's defensive impact is going to be way worse than it potentially could be. Okay. Yeah. This year, 95th percentile. What in the world? Like, why would you do that? Um, He's someone that like bring him to the Lakers. He is a legit shooter. He is someone that can get to the rim. He's not a great, not an elite finisher at the rim, but he can finish at the rim. He is a legitimate high volume, pretty good versatility, good efficiency, not so great quality, but like he can play make. Um, And the Lakers don't have many guys that can do that. They don't have a lot of guys that can dribble. He is a legit off screen guy. So you add a lot of versatility with him because on ball, he can do things off ball. He can do stuff with the off screen uh, attacks. And then if you insert LeBron or AD back into this mix, he retains his value as a floor spacer or as an off screen shooter. And I think we've seen this year with KCP, he can be a, a like a catch and shoot guy or movement shooter. The off screen stuff hasn't really clicked as well with him. Um, Fournier like can legitimately do that. And that, is really interesting to me. And I mean, we know I like that style of play, but I, I'm interested in this. I don't really care about that first round pick. Um, I want to win a title now. I don't, if, if we give up a, a pick in the, the late twenties, the, the mid teens, whatever in 20, what'd you say? 2027. Yeah. Yeah. That's I don't, the earliest first they can, they can surrender. 
that's fine. I, I think for what you'd be adding to this team, I, I'd be interested in that. He's someone that is going to play like the two, three. Um, and then defensively, I, I think instead of having a point of attack as Orlando has, you can slot him more in as like a chaser and or, or a helper. And he'd, he'd be good in those roles. Hmm. I'm less, I, so I bring it up because I'm less convinced that trading KCP is a good idea for a number of reasons. I feel like at that point, there, uh, that might be the tipping point for me to say where like this team's identity is no longer defensive juggernaut. Um, it's just not like, yeah, Dennis Schroeder, uh, is, is aggressive on the ball, but he's not a shutdown defender in any kind of way. Like Trez, same thing. You know what I mean? You lose KCP for as much as he's not a factor on offense. He's a big factor on defense and was the Lakers third best player in the finals. You know, he was up and down throughout the playoffs, uh, but he, he was good. You know, he basically helped win us that I think game was a game three or game two, um, mm-hmm. that first quarter yet. All that said, he's also under contract for longer three years, as opposed to uh pending free agent for 48 Lakers are over the cap. They're going to increase their tax bill on just this season because of 48 makes more. Um, and they're also going to not be able to, unless they resign for an AA, not saying they can't, not saying it's going to be like some massive number, but you have to re-sign Fournier, you have to re-sign Schroeder, you have to re-sign Caruso, you have to re-sign THT. It's, it, it's already getting to the point where one of those guys might not be coming back. Yes, mm-hmm. they can make them all come back. It's a big tax bill. They have to be okay. You know, I think THT can get kind of like the mid-level number somewhere around there. Yes, we want to bring Caruso back, right? But at some point, you also have to look at it in the terms of, you know, we talk about timelines. Is case is THT even near the timeline of LeBron and AD? No. And is he going to be content with, at best, at best, being third fiddle on a title team? He's 20 years old. I wouldn't blame him for wanting to go to... Orlando instead, you know what I mean? As a part of that deal or something like that, because, and I'm just saying they got to make that decision now or in the summer, but there's Mm -hmm. two moments when they can make it and it's now or the summer. And for a team that's running out of bullets, he's still a bullet that they have. And I love THD. I'm not saying trade him. I, you know, for all the people who are going to yell at me, it's just a consideration because things are going to get tricky, man. Yeah, I feel like I just was one of the kids in the, would you like one cookie now or two cookies later? And I was like, give me that cookie. And I didn't ask any questions. <laughs> um, as a player like Evan Fournier, I, I think offensively he would be a huge boost and, and fill a big void that we have with the two guys injured. Big picture, if it's how does how does that trade impact this year's title chances? And then how does what does that do for the next couple seasons right. given how many variables are at play and how many guys the team needs to bring back i mean it looks like we're going to be paying that luxury tax bill a good oh, bit yeah. anyway it's just how so, big it is yeah yeah so that's the number crunching that i'm sure the front office is doing right now to to see maybe they won't pursue it but to figure out you know what do we think is going to happen with our current group of guys based on that who might be more expendable in a trade because we don't project they'll come back even you know, they're a good, valuable player and we'd love to have them back. But just given how the chips will fall, we don't believe that'll be the case. It Once you can start to forecast that, you might 
see avenues for trades that weren't apparent before because you just you know took for granted that you'd be able to get guys back. So I, I think in this scenario, it'll come down to like, do you need that trade to win the title? Because I think you can survive until you get AD back. And once AD's back, I think the team will be good enough. And Gasol's back. I think the team will be fine. I don't think the team's going to be great. It's not going to be a top four or five team. But I think they'll be able to win enough games to stay out of the seven or eight seeds until LeBron gets back. Um, so it it I, I bet the team is thinking patience and they're going to just kind of grit their teeth and, and work through it. But Fournier would be an interesting... Uh, appealing right now kind of option that I don't know if big picture makes a ton of sense, but I can certainly make a case for it being really helpful in the meantime. And even once AD and LeBron comes back, he's a good fit. But you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. You're right about the uh, the defensive identity defensive identity piece of this. He um, not a good on ball defender. He's someone that you would probably try to seek out in switch situations. And the Lakers this year haven't really had those guys. And once we get to the playoffs, Schroeder might become one of those guys for those bigger scoring wings. Can you have a Schroeder and a Fournier on the court at the same time and, and give teams potentially multiple options to target in those in those situations? So I don't know. That's another thing to consider. But he's certainly a leaning offensive player that I look at and I say we can make more of his defense, not because he's a good defender or a great defender, but because he's a poor defender being asked to do way too much. Hmm. And the Lakers also have their 2023, 24, 25, I think, second round picks. So they have some smaller ammo, you know, things that you could attach. But it looks like there's a lot of buyers right now and not a ton of sellers uh, on the market. Mm -hmm. You know, there's guys like Oladipo and Aaron Gordon. And I'm sure, you know, it's Tuesday here, 1 p.m. Pacific. I'm sure we'll see more things before that Thursday deadline. But um, it's, it's a consideration because it affects your team going forward. And yes, it might help you get closer to that title this year, but it does do something to your, uh, your overall structure going forward. And look, I, I don't think I would trade THT right now, but I'll definitely consider it. And I think that's something Laker fans need to be ready for. Um, it's it's great a great job scouting department. You gave us you bought us another <laughs> bullet. Yep. Now what is you know, honestly and and Tim, what's the worst player we could get for Wesley Matthews in a twenty twenty three second? Because I might be ready to just take it and like I, throw I in all our cash. That question. Throw in all the cash we can add to that. I don't know if they can actually because I think they included it in the OKC deal, but. Mm. Like what's what's a four million dollar player we can get for West because is Austin I think Rivers cheap I think enough? he's washed, bro. Austin Rivers would really help this team. I don't know if Austin Rivers is too high an asset for well, the a Knicks West are Matthews trade. Contending now, right? And then for the playoffs. Uh, uh, I, I I heard the Bucks were thinking about uh Rivers as a, an Augustine void filler potentially I, that wasn't i have no sourcing on that i'm just looking mm. at rumors um i don't see a lot of great great options i do think the team's now got to be more interested in that guard wing 
market than yeah. they would have been before the LeBron injury. Because uh, before that, I mean, we didn't talk about any of those guys. It was all big men, big men, big men, like Trevor Reza if he's available. And now I'm trying to figure out, like, who are the buyout guards and wings? Who could be helpful? Is Victor Oladipo someone you look at? He has some playmaking ability. He can't hit a three-pointer this year. And uh, his impact data doesn't look awful, I don't believe. But do you add another guy who's not shooting well to a team of non-shooters? Um, I don't know. I, I think if you can find a low to mi- – I think – where's where's Trey Burke? What's Trey Burke doing these days? <laughs> He's in Dallas, right? I think if you can find a creator – okay. If you can find someone that's that can dribble, that can play make a little bit just like at like an adequate guard level, like nothing crazy, just like make some simple reads, run a play um, and can just knock down open threes that that would be someone you're looking for. Tim, I'm going to say a name here and I can't believe I'm saying it. OK, wouldn't considering this name at all. And I've, I did see a little bit of reporting here and apparently he's in the best shape of his life. You know it. This is always the case. Don't you think the Lakers could kind of use Isaiah Thomas right now? How I many don't believe guys that he's in the best shape of his life. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, give him a, I'd give him a workout. I don't know. But you know he, what I mean? Like, how many guys that are even available in any kind of way have done anything to on that level and would be free? It's... Yeah, not many. I mean, unless Darren Collison's coming back, and I don't right. think that's the case. It's just, I don't know, the the scoring, the shooting, right, the slight playmaking, to me, that's just like, ah, well, well you know, he was here You can live with the ago. bad defense. Like, the, the bad defense he would bring, which would be really bad, would really be bad. maybe well worth the offensive boost that he mm-hmm. would add just by being someone that can ball handle and playmake and shoot. So I, I'm not closed to that idea. I'll say that it would be it wouldn't be my first choice, but I would be I don't know. It would make uh, I don't even want to say a short list, but it would make the list of guys I would take a look at. But add like Drummond and Isaiah Thomas. And you're like, OK, you know, a defense has taken a major hit here, but mm-hmm. maybe we can actually score 100 points every night. Oh, man. I don't want to. If you add Andre Drummond to this team now, it's going to look ugly. <laughs> like, we talked about what he can't do All offensively and the how Cavs. the Lakers want to slice and dice it into this well refined, hey, you're only going to do the good things now. No. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. He's going to no. come in. He's been posting up a bunch. He's going to post up a bunch again. And I'm going to laugh at you, Tom. And, and I'm going to cry a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's going to happen. At this point, I'm expecting Andre Drummond to come to the Lakers. Yeah. Unless it does seem that way after how Jones played and how they just came out and said, like, thank you, but good luck, basically. Well, didn't Vogel say the door wasn't closed on Jones? Technically, but that's the coach stuff says, because okay. technically Drummond's not on his team, right? So yeah, as yeah. long as Drummond's not on his team, it's open. Yeah, I, and I would expect that. I mean, Jones played pretty well recently. I would think yeah. that another team, if they're looking for a big man that can do those specific things and they can make up for the, the poor rebounding, I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets more of a look now than he would have before he put that film in play for the Lakers. I mean, he played like more minutes for the Lakers in like a couple weeks than he did all year for Phoenix this year. So, yeah, I'm sad to see him go. We'll we'll see what happens. I'm like, who who are other buyout 
who's available? Who are the buyout guards, Tom? It's not really a thing. I'm just not aware of them. <laughs> I didn't like there's still there like Shabazz Napier. I'll take Shabazz. Glenn Robinson is a wing that's available. I'll take Glenn Robinson. But it's, it's like the these guys, any of these guys team. coming in right now is going to be a nightmare. Any of these guys, except maybe like an Isaiah Thomas who can just score. And you know what I mean? Just do his thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I can't I can't even believe I'm at this point. You know, dude is out of the league and is an awful defender. But it, it's a unique situation, especially with the Lakers being hard capped and and having limited resources and what they can get back. So, yep. you know, maybe this may make them consider trading somebody ahead of their timeline. Maybe they thought, oh, we'll sign and trade THT in the summer. Right. Something like that. Maybe this changes their calculus. But um, quickly, before we go, where do you see this team landing in the standings uh, after this? I had to say four seeds seems right. Like, I, I think I think they can weather the storm well enough and hopefully AD comes back in the near future. So I'm, I'm just looking at the standings right now and the five seeds, Denver, the six seeds, Portland, they're eight and two, seven and three in the last 10. Dallas is seven and three in their last 10. I, I would have to imagine that the teams below us in that four to six, four to seven range are probably going to be winning six to eight out of every 10 games moving forward. So the Lakers can't just not win. Like the Lakers are half a game ahead of the Clippers. They're two and a half games ahead of Denver and Portland. And they are four and a half games ahead of San Antonio. I wouldn't be surprised if Denver and Portland are are pushing to overtake LA by the time LeBron comes back and then if he does come back, so that same slide I was referencing before is estimating LeBron will be out for 17 more games. If so, that's a lot of games where like you can't go two and 15 or three and 14. Like you need to be able to go seven and 10 uh, or, or six and 11 or something like that to just not completely start tanking. Um, if that is the case and LeBron comes back in 17 games, we could see a situation where there, at that point there'd only be 12 games left in the entire season. And that's about three weeks. He would have about three weeks to go from like, think about Gasol right now. Gasol is healthy. He's fine. He's not in shape. We would need to ramp LeBron up really quickly in three weeks. Did you just compare Marc Gasol athletically to no, LeBron well, James, my guy? But LeBron, like he's, I, his I take your out. point. Right. You know what I'm I mean. You know what I mean. It's not like, he's, it's not going to go from. No, of no, course. you're right though. The but, ramp, like the ramp up for LeBron is it's not going to be easy, but also he's LeBron. He's and you know, there's people like he's got an ungodly pain tolerance. I yep. believe all that. Yep. And he doesn't but, do much in terms of movement on defense. So that I think should help. And offensively, he can add a lot of value without needing to like physically be dominant at this point for this team, inserting his mind, his ball handling and his passing alone can do a lot if he's like a trigger man for a good a higher proportion of his time on court when he initially comes back than he has been recently that's still a huge boost to the team but if he is out 17 games you got 12 games to get him into playoff shape which is a, a, i think a big difference 
Whereas if AD is out for seven games, you have 22 games for him to get back into a playoff shape. So getting both guys healthy, fully healthy, back and ready to rock and roll for the playoffs while integrating new buyout guys. And it, it's it's going to be a tumultuous time for the Lakers. And it's hard for me to see them. Like they're for sure not going to be the three seed. They're for sure not going to not drop half a game to the Clippers. And I would be really surprised if we don't drop below Denver or and or Portland. I think Denver will pass the Lakers and I wouldn't be surprised if Portland does as well. So I'm thinking like I, I think the Lakers are probably sitting at six when yeah. LeBron comes back. And I think that's n- not the most conservative of, of projections as well, because it's honestly fairly compact right now. The thing standards. that gives me optimism is that everyone in the league right now is playing these insane number of games in a short turnaround. It's not just the Lakers. You know, I think they just got off of like a six games in nine days stretch or something crazy like that. They had five games last week. And in that, you know, fourth game, I think that that Atlanta game, LeBron gets hurt. And. It's tough. It's it's, you know, no excuse, but I think it's gotten to that point where it's finally catching up with them with the, the, the bubble, the playoffs, the short turnaround. And what this means ultimately for the Lakers title chances is that their margin of error got a lot smaller. You know, they have to do things now perfectly. It's possible. And everyone's out there saying if they're healthy, I'm not worried. You know, Zach Lowe's on his pod. It was pretty funny saying it's going to be high comedy to see team, you know, two, three and four in the West avoid the Lakers in the fifth, sixth, seventh spot wherever they land. You know, because if you are Denver, maybe you don't want to win that extra game and meet the Lakers in the first round instead of the conference finals, you mm-hmm. know, or whenever else you might meet them. So. It's, you know, no one's going to want to see the Lakers in the first round, even if they're a lower seed home court, even let's say fans are fully back. I expect the Lakers, if they're healthy, if they uh, find a, a depth piece in a big, maybe a guard, they're still right there and being able to overcome a road game and, and win a series on the road and, and defend their title but their margin of error for all these things got smaller when lebron got hurt and it if they do this sequence outright they'll learn things that will help them be a better playoff team right they'll learn how to get buckets when lebron or ad aren't on the court or at least to get a little bit more familiar with each other and how that their their dynamics without them to rely on are yeah i think the the depth piece of it once you do add those guys back in, in theory, it's like, oh, yeah, we can still do some of these things that we found that do work as some of those second, third, fourth options in playoff games when, you know, you can't go to those top things. I'm thinking about right now how many excuses we heard from people saying, like, oh, my God, it's only been 40 games. Like, how do the Lakers have any chemistry right now? Like, it's been like, what, two full high school basketball seasons. But it's the, you can't judge anything. Like, and we're going to need them to integrate new pieces, integrate two guys who are huge, big pieces of the offense with those new players and then figure all of that out in like three or four weeks is it's going to be a challenge. It's it's going to be like the, the real version of, oh, yeah, we need to build chemistry and it's not really there right now. And also there's limited practice time. So I 
I'm I wouldn't be as optimistic. I think like I don't know who the betting. I'll have to look. I'm gonna look right now. Who is the betting favorite? I don't know though. the 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 first month and a half of the season, this whole team was healthy. Alex Caruso missed a couple games with uh, COVID safety protocols. Right? I agree with you. But I, <laughs> the the team was healthy and like they they it will take some time to get back to that. I think 12 games is just just about right for me for them to get back into a rhythm. Uh, especially if they're all healthy again. I do, I do feel confident in that, but still the margin of error is smaller. High ankle sprains lead to tend to linger and lead to other injuries. The stamina maybe will get diminished because you can't, you know, do that cardio over mm-hmm. this, this time he's missing and keep that engine going. And Yeah. Lakers are three to one odds right now to win the title behind Brooklyn, ahead of the Clippers, ahead of the Jazz, ahead of the Box Sixers, all those other teams. I mean, I wouldn't bet it right now. I'll let them go lose 10 games first and then then look and see what the number looks like then. But I'd say that's, I don't know, it looks about right. Like I would have Brooklyn ahead of the Lakers given everything we know right now. I'm not saying the Nets are going to beat the Lakers in the in for the championship or win the championship, but given the current circumstances, the Lakers need to make moves, still continue improving. Because even when LeBron was playing, and even when AD was playing before he went down, opposing teams are starting to figure some things out that worked against this Lakers offense. And the defense has been strong, but that offense has not. It's not where it needed to be. And by having LeBron go out for the stretch of time, you don't give yourself the chance to work through and, and brainstorm and workshop those solutions. So it's not like we, we – I think earlier in the season we talked about like you can't cheat the process. This is like a, a version of that. That's not the Lakers' fault, but you don't have that opportunity with that stretch of games to be making that continuous marginal growth. And in that way, like that's worrisome for me because you you won't have those day day by day lessons learned in that same sense. You may in other realms, and it might result in better bench scoring once these guys do come back. But if the LeBron and or AD actions are facing specific types of defense that are that are hurting the Lakers' offense, they don't have any chance to really work through that right now, and that's going to hurt unless LeBron is taking this time to like do his own like video sessions and, and try to figure some stuff out, which maybe he will. I don't know. Um, but that's another aspect of this that has me concerned. And like, there are more chips that need to play out the right way for the Lakers to get a title. All of a sudden, you know, we're, we're probably not going to have home court, maybe not for the first round, maybe not for like two, three, four rounds. Um, it might not just be, you know, win one uh, series as as the underdog you have to, or not underdog but the away team but like you're gonna have to yeah. overcome home court advantage multiple times if you're That's the true. six or seven seed um you have to do that you have to get these guys healthy if they're not fully healthy this team's not gonna win the title i don't think they have to come back healthy they have to integrate well you have to get these other pieces fitting together well and make those improvements in that x's and o's game that is small potatoes now compared to these things but still is going to matter in a playoff environment so we're going to be monitoring what happens along the way, but I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I wouldn't yeah, like, I mean, yeah. let's, let's have the right mindset to our expectations. We had high expectations for this team coming in, mm-hmm. but just last thing here before we go, this is always going to be the most difficult uh, title defense that we've, we've seen in a long time. And a lot of title teams go through a lot of adversity, you know, 
all, all different kinds of things from personal to professional um, owners getting in the way, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> but this is such a unique issue with the short turnaround. This is always going to be an incredibly difficult proposition to try and repeat. So let's let's garner expectations a little bit. But um, I think that's good. Tim, you you ready and available for an emergency pod? And or if if anything happens at the trade deadline, you know, trade dominoes fall, buyout market seems to settle somewhat uh, a couple of days after that. So uh, are, are you around if we throw up the bat signal? Yeah. Yeah. I'm available to talk Victor Oladipo for 45 minutes. <laughs> Or, or whoever no. it happens to be. Stop, please. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. We'll have to get some streams going again, too. Yeah, absolutely. No, we wanted to get the get Lamella one going, uh, but that was an NBA TV game, and those are a lot more hard, difficult for us. And then Tim was, you know, obsessed with the percentile <laughs> over his bracket March all weekend. Is March Madness? No, I don't know. Ninety nine point nine 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 nine. We had Oral Roberts winning both of the games they won. Beating your uh, the Ohio State Buckeye, so it yeah. it's it's gone well so far. We'll have to see what happens, but yeah, I get the, my favorite two days of the whole year are that the two days of that. Uh, I think technically it's the second round, but the round of sixty four of March Madness. So I was a little I was a little bit busy. We'll have to do something this week. And I watched the Snyder Cut. That's what I did. I what I can't that? do college basketball. I can't. I just can't. It, it's another sport. It's another oh, sport. yeah, it's it's fine in in the atmosphere is not there this year, which like to me yeah. is one of the big things that does raise the value. So like I didn't yeah, yeah, I yeah. barely watched any throughout the regular season. I watched some of my teams and that was it. And then crammed a ton before March Madness and trusted right. the math. And now that I have a vested interest in all of these games, now I will watch and I do care. But uh, I I don't blame you for that. It is certainly a inferior product on the player side, on the coaching side, aesthetically officiating, probably uh, the, the crowds aren't there. That doesn't, you normally you get that element that makes it a little bit more fun. So I do not blame you. This is the least college basketball I've watched in a season since I've started watching sports. Yeah. Now, instead I watched a four hour movie that could have been two and a half hours. So what does that mean? <laughs> I feel like that statement's pretty clear. Okay. Gotcha. Is this another one of your superhero movies? My super? Yes, it is a super. Okay. All right, Tim. I'm not going to let you embarrass yourself anymore. I'm just going to end the podcast. Until next time, thank you for listening. And if anything happens, we will hop on in at least two, like 20, 30 minutes on something. But until then, we'll talk to you guys next time. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.